Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. I am your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hayfley, and a little bit of joy in Avalanche land today. Maybe some, some annoyances, too, that we'll get to, but mainly, Kale McCarr, officially named the Calder Trophy winner for the 1920 season. Quinn Hughes in absolute shambles. You got to take your wins where you can take them. And that was bodies hit the floor, Victor. Good ear for the 8-bit yourself. AJ, was there ever any doubt in Kale McCarr? Totally. I was, so based on when the awards voting took place, I was wondering if the pandemic might be like the biggest reason why McCarr would lose to Hughes. Because... Had had the season just finished on and then they like like normal and they had done the awards voting right before the playoffs started like they usually do or like that last week of the regular season or whatever that t- that timeline is. It's always very condensed, right? Yep. Um, I was thinking that Makar might be the runaway winner because everybody everybody loved Makar. Yeah, you would win. There is a lot of what have you done for me lately sometimes when it comes to these voting type things. And when your player's going hot, they seem like a surefire lock. But when they're running cold, the tide turns quickly. So you never quite know. And and obviously this year's voting especially was an extra weird situation where, you know, they didn't vote until the season had been paused for like a month. Yeah, and then they they voted randomly in the middle of the summer, and then it was like, okay, we're good. And by that point, you know the the troops had rallied, and like the think pieces, everybody everybody yeah. had had time to talk about stuff, and nobody loves wasting time more than NHL writers and talking about <laughs> awards because it's just it's just the lowest hanging fruit where you're just like, nah, everybody cares about it, everybody thinks about it, let's. Let's dig in. Let me throw all my hot takes at the wall. And then and that's and that's how it was like, ah, by my purely statistical analysis, Adam Fox is our is 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 clearly the clear cut winner of the Calder. And you're like, no, nerd, stop. Like, no. <laughs> Just bat that away. Like bat bat. That it's out of here. Don't don't yep. give me that nonsense. And he got a first place vote, which I was not surprised about because again. Everybody had time to state their cases, and you know that just one person out there was like, "Oh my god, those chart, oh my god, dude, I can't believe in the numbers and then vote against them." I yeah. gotta go with it. That 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 RPM chart is mm-mm. Adam Fox too good, <laughs> and so I was curious, like, all right, and then and then when it was when it was announced that uh, the top three was, was Kubalik, it was like, and not even oh, Fox. Yeah. Oh, rather. Oh, rather. <laughs> and then, you know, you were worried like Hughes McCarr, like who's it going to be? You have the might of the Canadian media, but then you also have the fact that being like, nobody really likes Vancouver except Vancouver. <laughs> so you're like, eh. and like Kale McCarr just sort of has that superstar magnetism. Yep. And the one, the one quality he has that hockey writers love, 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 myself included, 
is like that super down to earth head, good head on his shoulders, humility. Yep. And like nobody will ever confuse any of the Hughes brothers with being humble. <laughs> Those dudes walk into a room, junk first, every single room they walk into. Like they are all confidence and they have no problem putting that out into the world. And let me say, I have no issues with that. That is not that is not a criticism. But when you're talking about like voting in in trying to appeal to a voting block of a bunch of hockey writers, humility is going to be there. Like yep. humility is a big thing to have in your bag. And when every time each guy was asked about it, Quinn Hughes was like, "I'm totally keeping track. I want to. I, I see what that guy does every day. I want to. I want to be the one that leads in points. I want to win that award. I care about that." And you ask Kel McCarr about it, and Kel McCarr is like, "Where are we in the standings?" <laughs> Yep. And and you're like, Don't oh, care. you guys are you guys are like two point two points behind first place. And he's like, that's what I care about. Uh what what's the show that that memes from? They get into the elevator and it's the two guys, and it's like Quinn Hughes is the guy who's like, I just feel bad for you. And McCarr is the guy who's like, I don't think about you at all. I don't know, but that's exactly that's straight up like I don't uh, wherever Kale McCart is right now. I don't even know if that dude's aware that he had won. He's won this award. <laughs> like there's a good chance that that dude is sitting at his parents' kitchen table eating mayo chicken right now, just chilling <laughs> because he's like the most adorable, wholesome individual on the planet. Yep. Like, you know, like the, and, and that's what it made it from a Colorado perspective. It made it easy to root for him. Because he's just he's a he's a great kid, and he's a he's a really really good hockey player, and as evidenced by the fact that he also got what nineteen votes, finished top ten in the Norris voting. Yeah, rookie year, and he finishes with and 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 it wasn't like nineteen points where he gets carried by four guys who voted for him, like Zach Wierenski a couple years ago. It, it, he got 19 votes. He got 17 fifth-place votes and two fourth-place votes. Something to build off of, obviously. Like, eh, you're feeling good. You're feeling sexy. Kale McCarr gets the recognition that he deserves. The guy's awesome. The guy, the guy is just easy to root for. And we, you know, everybody who's watching the show knows what's up. He's the only dude I've ever seen when a teammate is talking him up to be like, all right, all right, enough. <laughs> that was, that was very entertaining. <laughs> that, cause that was the, that was that Rangers game in Denver, mm-hmm. the final regular season game. Yep. P.S. Adam Fox didn't do shit that night. And <laughs> I don't even know if he played, but probably not. He did anything that night. So. And then when Gabe Landeskog was talking about him, it was just like, he was like, all right, all right, enough, enough. And yes, the second NHL player in in NHL history to win both the Hobie Baker and the Calder following Colorado's own Chris Drury. I say Colorado's own, like we like adopted him. (laughs) I mean, we kind of did. He's not from here at all. Drury won it in 98-99. So uh, the the 21-22 season confirmed Avalanche Cup. Um, yeah, I mean, I was talking to the fiance on the way home and I was, and I was like, look, this is how you build a hall of fame resume. (laughs) 
Yeah, straight up. It's it's all about hardware, right? It's all about accolades. You have a Hobie Baker. You go to the national championship. You win a WJC gold medal. All right, now you've won. Now you've won a Calder. Now you got to do is win a couple of Stanley Cups, a Conn Smythe, and a few Norrises along the way. And we got this. It's a Hall of Fame career, and his number gets retired. And he's one of the greatest players of all time. This is easy. It's I easy. Swear. It's an easy life. I want to name a few players that he got more Norris votes than this year. Charlie McAvoy, Essa Lindell, Miro Haskinen, Seth Jones, Quinn Hughes, Suck it, Miro. Shea Weber, Ivan Provorov, Jonas Brodeen. Wait, Shea Weber got a vote? Shea Weber got three fifth place votes. Okay, Montreal. <laughs> you guys. But his, his name is above some highly established star defenseman in this league already. Yeah. And so much of the Norris is, and we say, we, we talk about this a lot, but so much of the Norris is reputation voting. Yep. And for him to have already built that kind of shine amongst voters, because yeah. him getting three plus fifth place votes and they all came from Colorado would not have been a surprise, sure. but I can tell you there aren't even 19 people from color in the Colorado chapter of the PHWA, let alone voters. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Colorado had two voters this year. So, and if it ends up being that AD and, and Ryan are the ones who voted him fourth place, well, that would also make sense. <laughs> he still got 17 other fifth place votes. That's right. Even if the even if the two Colorado guys hooked him up with top five votes, 17 other dudes were like, mm-hmm, that's the top five defender in the NHL. <laughs> and I tell you what, depending on the game that you watched, hell yeah, he is. Yep. I mean, just watch, just watch that playoff series against Dallas. Like four or five of those games, you're like, Kale McCarr is a monster. And then there are a couple where you're like, Kale McCarr's still a rookie. I I think the respect shows in the Calder vote as well. Not a single third place or lower vote for Kale. All of them were first or second. So no one had Quinn Hughes and Adam Fox ahead of him or Quinn Hughes and Kubalik ahead of him. He was a top two no matter what. And it wasn't that close, ultimately, with Hughes. Makara, 116 first-place votes to Quinn Hughes' is just 53. That's pretty dominant, man. Yeah, uh, not as much of the coin flip as we thought, so Vancouver fans have something that they can be upset about now. Sure. They can keep that chip on their shoulder if they want. Gonna Makara's going to take them to pound town every single time, but... Yes, pound town. <laughs> and I do, I do wonder. Oh my God, that's a perfect, that's a perfect comment from which Colin. One? The, from, all right, there you go. There you go. McCarr going to use his bonus money for winning the caller on something like new rollerblades. <laughs> Did you just see that dude is getting to open up new rollerblades? He's got his Walkman. The, throws like, them on. And... This is I know Nieto's leaving the team, but 100% him and Nieto like skating down a boulevard in front of Long Beach. Like... Oh, on the boardwalk? Yeah. <laughs> in front of the beach? Like, yeah. the, the, there's the sand and like, they're skating by and then there's like, the girls sitting on the on like the bench or whatever, they're hanging out on the towel and they skate by and they're like ladies. Yep. And you're like, you would never guess these two nerds are, are in the NHL. <laughs> 
Definitely jean shorts and fanny packs. Yes. Yes. Oh, no one told me Matt Calvert was coming to this party. Oh, my gosh. No, he's the one who drove him there. Oh, true. He's the dad. Yeah, he's the one who drove him to the beach in the minivan. (laughs) Yes. Thank yes, Stephen. I was thinking of Mad Men. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so weird beachside fantasies. (laughs) 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 Norris is a weird trophy, right? Because you don't give it to the best defensive defenseman in the league, really. Yeah. But is it going to help McCarr's? reputation as a player because we who watch him every single day say look this guy's defense is better than you think it is as opposed to everyone knows him for his offensive explosiveness certainly mm-hmm. definitely so i i'm i'm trying to weigh how much it's going to help that reputation and how much he got some of these votes because of some of the hits and physicality he was able to show throughout the season because i think it is a little bit of both mm-hmm but I don't know exactly where to draw the line for for someone outside of the the Colorado sphere. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, it would be interesting. You know, we've had a couple of different guests so come on and and like sing the praises of him. Yeah. Um, it would be it would be interesting to like find somebody. Well, he was he finished top two on every single yeah. Calder ballot, yeah. so there isn't. There isn't really a single dude out there that's yeah. that's a hater that we can track down and be like, 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 bring him in front of the, you know, in front of the, in front the of the people, <laughs> and be like, why did you vote him fourth place in the call there? There just isn't one. Everybody pretty much agreed. Like guy, yep. guy top two, and then some Norris peeps, and I. It will be interesting to see both how his game actually evolves. And how his reputation evolves because now that he's won the Calder, everybody's expecting the, the world of him. Not that yep. they weren't going to expect the world of him anyway, but when that many people vote him and say, Hey, you're our top guy in a historic rookie race between two defensemen, that's those are all people who he has a head start on trying to build Norris candidacy with. Yep, I agree. And we'll have to, uh, Wait and see as that develops. And while Makar got all the respect in the world, we may have a little bit of a different conversation about some of these other voting situations. But we do have to take our first period break first. Acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Crack one open in celebration for Kale tonight, if that's what you're doing. Get through your Monday evening. Over eight different kinds on tap if you want to roll down to the DNBR bar and get it right from the source there, of course. Or if you're looking for something specific, you can use the Breck Beer Locator online and find a beer that fits your needs exactly. Dozens of beers available from Breckenridge Brewery, especially if you're here and a local. So give them a try today. You can find them at your local liquor store and have yourself a drink. Of course, we also have WGT Golf, our gaming sponsor, a game loved by more than 20 million players around the world. So jump in and join the fun. Go to dnvrgolf.com to download and search DNVR3 to search our latest clubhouse. We have three clubhouses worth of people, 250 people in each. Clubhouse 3 is now up around 170, I think. So get into Clubhouse 3 before that one fills up as well. And 
get in on the action. We have tournaments every single weekend. I'm not allowed to say much about it, but uh, we got a big tournament coming up pretty soon. That's all I'm going to say. More info on that in a little bit. So if you haven't gotten WGT Golf yet, now is a great time to do it and join the DNVR fam. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Yes, we did start things off well. Kale McCarr winning the first trophy given away on the award show. Yeah. And then. Yeah. We just end it there. Yeah. Talk about the rest. Yeah. All right. Headphone alert. Sorry. (laughs) I tried to move away from my mic. I I saw you backing up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then, unfortunately, McKinnon comes up a little bit short. Garbage. To Leon Dreisaitl, not only winning the heart, but winning the Ted Lindsay as well. And first team all NHL. Yep, first team all NHL as well, which is absurd that Nathan McKinnon. Did. Yeah. And either way, ridiculous. McKinnon as a second place is certainly nothing to scoff at, but the fact that it's the second time in three years does hurt a little bit. We've had the conversations before. McKinnon spited last time because he got to play with Miko Rantanen. Meanwhile, Leon Dreisaitl playing with Connor McDavid gets away with it a little. Totally bit. cool. Yeah. So, yeah, let's just let's just be real here. Um, when Nathan McKinnon lost to Taylor Hall, the most offsided reason was Taylor Hall hit the second leading score on Taylor Hall's team was Nico Heischer with like he had like 45 fewer points than Taylor Hall did. Yep. Therefore, Taylor Hall did more of a heavy lifting. Therefore, blah, 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 blah. This year, that same criteria applied to Nathan McKinnon. And guess what? He didn't win. Nobody gave a shit. Yep. So, yeah, we haven't uh, gotten to see the two vote. We haven't gotten to see the full ballots yet. Two voters apparently didn't have McKinnon in the top five. Uh, I'll be excited for the PHWA to release all of the ballots later on so I can scour them and just figure out who they are and then, you know. Write some strongly worded letters. Probably probably sign them up for spam emails and magazine subscriptions. <laughs> it. I mean, uh, I really struggle with how you don't put Nathan McKinnon in the top five somewhere. I am, I am completely open-minded to... Difference, differences of, of opinion here. We had we talked on our show a bunch of times where you and I both said, you know, we we would be leaning towards Drysidle. Yeah, we we would have no issues if Drysidle won. Like we talked a lot about Drysidle winning this award, and when you outscore the rest of the league by so far, like that's going to sway a lot of voters. Points pay not only in contract talks but in awards. And we see it in the Norris too. You know, we we see it all the time with the Norris. It, next time, next time, a defenseman wins the Norris on a thirty-two point season, you're going to assume that they only played fifty games that year, pretty much. So, you know, like points points pay, and they talk, and and that sways a lot of people. Like, hey, this guy just crushed. You know, Drysital was the unique. Art Ross winner where there was a massive hole in his game to be attacked. And that was simply that he is apathetic defensively. Yeah. 
I mean, does does not care one bit about that side of the puck. And like we we talk about it. There's you know guys guys who drive play, uh, you know, the all kinds of all all kinds of different criteria uh, about the underlying numbers. But when you you just look at Leon Dreisaitl at even strength, it's extremely mortal. I mean, this is this is why I found it interesting that he not only won the heart, but he won the Ted Lindsay as well. Well, and, and so from a player's perspective, I can completely understand how they're not as worried about that side of the puck as coaches and media and other people are. Where they're thinking about how do I defend that guy, and the answer is, lol, you don't. You don't think there's something to like, yeah, he's impossible to defend, but you feel okay going up against him when you're in his end. Um, I mean, I think the feeling okay that they're going up against him in in their own end might just be player confidence that they're good. Yeah, maybe because they're going to have a different perspective on it. They're not necessarily going to be looking at. You know, they're not necessarily going to be looking at at advanced McKinnon. Like, yeah, yeah. they're they're not going to be looking at those guys quite the same way. Yeah, but I will I will also say that, um, like, as much as we talk, like Drysaddle, bad bad on defense, um, crazy good on the power play. I I wish I had looked this up offhand, but I I didn't. I'm curious. McDavid finished fifth in in MVP voting. I'm curious mm-hmm. when the last time two teammates finished that close together with one of them winning. But I, that might be something that's not exactly super easy to look up. So yeah, I mean, I'd have to go back through ballots yeah. and and see. But something I can tweet out later tonight or something. <laughs> but. Yeah. Um. The uh, the McKinnon the McKinnon uh, Drysaddle stuff is it's interesting because when you started uh, at the end of the regular season, I would have I would have probably voted for Drysaddle, and then when I started, like everybody, when I had time, you start looking into the advanced metrics, you start looking into the fancies, you start looking at the situations that they played in, who their line mates were, who their most common line mates were, and where their success stemmed from. And it started feeling like, how the f is Leon Drysaddle going to win this thing? Yeah, I, we have some of the uh, the statistical charts here to to kind of back you up, AJ. His uh, his isolated summary here at even strength, his numbers are smack on even. It's not even yeah. any like. Yes, he scores a lot of points, but when it comes to adding value to the team, he's giving up a lot of points as well. Right, and so when you look at the offense here, because a lot of people I post these and people go, "What is this?" Yeah, on on offense, you want you want that even strength offense percentage number to be positive. Yep, you want that to be as high as it can be in a positive number. That it's at zero means that he is dead even in the league compared to the league in driving offense. Yep, that's. Average. I mean, not only is that not special, but it's literally league average. Like there's nothing remarkable about it. Now again, on the power play, that's crazy. That's all. That's crazy pants on the power play. But then you look at the defense. Defense, you want a negative number. Yep. 
And when when you see a positive number, that means that guy is giving up a lot of quality. Yeah. And especially when you see that 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 skinned Look, knee in front of the yeah, net there. The big red blob right here. <laughs> I'm sorry, but when you're when you're playing when you're playing center, you can't have the center of the ice be that bad. Yeah. Even when you're on the wing. I mean, just look at look at buddy. his offense. Look at the big blue right in the middle between the hash marks compared right. to this huge red blob when he's playing defense. It's it's very like if I didn't know this was Leon Dreisaitl, I would be sitting here and I would say this is probably a a a third line guy who you cannot play in defensive situations, who's a power play specialist. I would be looking at this and thinking this is Thomas Vanek. Colin Wilson level stuff kind of. Like this this without actually having ever looked at Thomas Vanek's number, this feels like his kind of profile. Yep. And then when you look at Nathan McKinnon's which we have right here. Yeah, about to well. see something a little different. Yeah. Oh look, Nathan <laughs> McKinnon doesn't play the penalty kill, is also great on the power play, gives up nothing defensively, is dead even defensively. So for as much flack as we've given McKinnon in his career about his defense and how it can get better and how sometimes he's a little too apathetic and blah, 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 right? Like, this was by far his best defensive season of his career. I mean, yeah. But uh, it was that offense sure. at even strength is banana pants. This, there's literally an entire red streak from the blue line to the goal mouth. That that screams just an absolutely unstoppable player. The dude can shoot from any distance. I mean, look at that. Yeah, it's it's insane. Also, plus ninety one percent on penalties drawn. Yeah, which is why he won the Lady Bang. Because yeah. <laughs> he makes other people take penalties, and and people get away with nonsense all the time against that guy. So you're talking. You're. T- I feel bad for the people uh, listening to this pod. That you're gonna have to go and look cards. up the chart. Yeah. Go because... to YouTube, watch it on YouTube. That's where you should be anyway. You can live yeah. chat with us. Subscribe right, on there. We're right at like 25 minutes or so. Yeah, uh, 25, 26 minutes. If you want to actually look at the pictures. Uh, but this is this is elite, by the way. If you if you pick the best players in the NHL. You would want their they they would struggle to have a plus eighteen percent. Yep, it's absurd. It's so good. <laughs> He's so good, and he had such a good year. And I bet I bet if there was one for the postseason, it would be like it would be even better. Astronomical. Than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was. I, I mean, I wouldn't have had a problem with Panarin winning either because he was incredible this year. Yeah. But I will tell you after after looking at it more, Dreisaitl winning it does bother me a little bit. It does, it does feel like all anybody did is sort by points and then vote that way. I'm kind of okay with it, just because with the with the high profile thing like the heart, right? Your average casual hockey fan doesn't want to know. Oh well, this guy's XG was plus five and his course he was 78%. He just wants to see that guy scored a billion goals. That's cool. But yeah. on the other hand, 
You got to do a little bit. You got to dig a little deeper yeah. than that. Like, especially when the people that are voting for it are the ones who are covering the sport. Yeah, is there is there a way you can mash those side by side? I know I sent them to you separately. Uh, it'll be a little awkward, but we can make it happen. Yeah. Uh, nice. Just doing this on the fly. Yeah, we're we're yoloing it. Um, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Left is Drysidel. Right is McKinnon. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, I just want to give the people a couple of seconds here to digest this, looking at it because. <laughs> the difference is pretty evident. <laughs> Why is this guy even on the penalty kill? Yeah, I don't understand that either, but anyway. Um <laughs> <laughs> the only... I don't know what to, I don't know what else to say about yeah, it, man. It I... just it feels uh, so for one thing, we can we can put to to, to bed any notion that this award has the same criteria every single year about the only criteria that people kind of seem to be in agreement on is that you have to make the playoffs. Yep. It has to be a pretty clear moving target for this result to come through as it has. This is look, dry had a great year. Yes. He did outscore the league, but he didn't have a year like Nikita Kucherov did last year, where it was a wire to wire. This dude is actually just the best player in the league, and there's no doubt about it. Definitely agree. And this was not like Kucherov's year last year, which was special. Yeah, exactly. So it was definitely special. When it when you get into those years where there's a little bit more of a debate on it, I would not mind seeing a bit more rigid structure in what you're voting for here. Definitely. And I think this was this was some of the hope of uh, making the, the ballots public. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen them be released yet, but they should be released by the PHWA at some point tonight. Yep. Um, and we can go through all the ballots and blah, 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 blah. But I think that was part of the hope of that, of increasing the transparency of the ballots is that it forces people to have to defend a ballot. You know, Tristan Jari, Tristan Jari, the not even full-time starting goaltender, the Pittsburgh Penguins, got a fifth-place MVP vote, for example. Yeah. And I think it would be fair if the person who 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 made that vote came out and said, hey, here's my rationale for that. This is the defense of that vote. Yeah. yeah. And was like, hey, this is how I feel about it. I've been given a vote, and this is what I chose to do with it and why. I think that that's that's the hope with making these things public, and uh, is is that we get to see some of that. The two people who left McKinnon off their ballots, hey, they should they they knew who they voted for. They should be ready to come out and have the conversation and say, "I left them off hey, because X." Yeah, yeah, and you know we had this we just had this debate uh, two days ago yesterday. Yeah, I not in the NBA ago. with um, Maria Taylor. Yeah leaving Anthony Davis off of her NBA, all of her NBA teams, all three of the all NBA teams. And she just came out and said, look, it was clearly a mistake. I can understand that. Yeah, totally. I've tried to, I've tried to make a ballot before one that, you know, people are going to see and they're going to judge. It is really difficult. First of all, everybody thinks that, Oh, well it just goes to show that these guys don't know what they're doing. And it's like, look, it's really different. And the, the concept of value is different for everybody. And so, 
when you keep that in mind and that we all view the world through a unique lens and that we all view the value of hockey play, we can't even agree on what defense is in the NHL. What's good defense? What makes a good defender? If you ask five different hockey people what makes a good defender, you're going to get five different answers. So how in the world are we going to disagree or how are we going to all agree on the same on the concept of an abstract notion such as value? How we're all going to approach that? This everybody's going to look at it a little differently. And I have I have a ton of respect for everybody that puts their votes out there and 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 the people that are going to put their vote and are going to vote for a Tristan Yari. Look, all you got to do is come out and defend it and explain why. And I can I can at least begin to respect it. As of right now, I'm going, buddy. I got to hear from you. It's I mean, this is even not necessarily related to the apps. As I was looking through the votes, I'm I tweeted about it. Jonathan Huberto was a top ten scorer in the league this year, and didn't get a single vote. While players from Vancouver, like J.T. Miller, Elias Peterson, and Jacob Markstrom, all got votes. Who did not have the seasons that Jonathan Huberto did. And it's it, this is this is what I struggle with. Does Huberto get playoffs. ignored because he didn't make the playoffs? Does he get ignored because he plays for Florida? Does that make him less of a player? I what is the defense there? Yeah, I think that's perfectly fair. Because uh, hey, Patrick Kane got a fifth place vote too. Right. He won he wasn't within 20 points of making the playoffs. Yep. They weren't even close to making the playoffs. And you have to he remember the these were, yeah. look, these are these are regular season awards purely, which they should be. So don't don't have any notions that what McKinnon's craziness did in the postseason should play a role in this. Because yeah. it shouldn't. It should not. It is a regular season award voted on before the postseason starts. The the postseason has nothing to do with it. So anybody out there that's salty about that, re- remove that. Let's let's cut that out. Stick strictly to what is is a regular season thing. Like I, I want to, I, I, I would, I would be curious. Like John Carlson got a third place vote and a fifth place vote, and it's like for MVP. Yeah, it's tough. You know, and like these are like we're talking about three votes here. We're not, you know, yeah, McKinnon, not- M- McKinnon lost by. What is it? A uh, hundred and about 140, yeah. 150 even, points. Even if the two people who left them off put him in first, it wouldn't have changed anything. Correct. So, I but I I do I I would be very curious. Hey, there are twenty people who thought McKinnon wasn't even in the top three. Yep. I'd be super curious. Why is that? Because with Drysital, there's a statistical argument to make there. He's not bulletproof. But I look at Nathan McKinnon and I'm like, he doesn't take penalties. He doesn't miss games. He scores almost every single night. His team is exceptional. He had every everybody around him got hurt. He had something like seven different line mates that he played more than 100 minutes with, which never happens for top players because they always play with the other top players only unless there are significant injury issues. Like, McKinnon had everything go against him and still had an exceptional season. This is as bulletproof of a top three MVP candidacy as you can make. And I'm legitimately curious. 20 people did not think so. Two don't think that he's worth top five at all. 
I want to hear from those 22 people and say, hey, state your case. What more does a guy have to do? How many more boxes have to be checked? And if you didn't know all those things, then you didn't do your damn job as an educated voter. I shouldn't be introducing any new information to this conversation. And if any, and if, and if the 22 people who didn't think he was a top three guy are, would, would be enlightened by anything that we've said on this show or anything that I just ran down, they didn't do their job. And there should be a conversation about whether or not if you don't take your responsibility as a voter seriously and you don't do the homework necessary, especially when we had all that time off, what the hell were you doing? I can understand, hey, if you didn't, if you lost your job and you had bigger things going on, totally understand awards you're not going to care about. But if you remain employed and you remain a voter, you should take this a little more seriously because it just feels like, what are you doing? There are 22 people out there who don't think he had a top three season. Why? I want to know why. I want to know why. I would be curious why. I probably will be unmoved by it, but I can at least, usually when I hear varying opinions and all, I can res- I can respect different arguments, different viewpoints. AJ doing all the work in the group project on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I'm I'm just curious. And like again, I've tried to make a ballot. It's extremely hard. You're it going is. to you're going to lean on groupthink a little bit because you don't want to be the asshole that that has the 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 ballot that comes out of left field where you're just like, what is this? And then everybody criticizes you. But at the same time, it's like you want to do your job here. And if this is what you feel the value is, then you should be confident in, in doing that, but you should you should have to defend it. I you should agree. have to defend it. I, I, if you're not willing to defend your vote, you shouldn't be voting. I think it's, it's pretty straightforward in that regard. Uh, we do need to take our second period break here to let you guys know about StravaCraft coffee, the CBD-infused coffee that has really changed lives, which you can now get cold brew down at the DNVR bar to try before you buy. When you love it, you can go to StravaCraftCoffee.com and use DNVR20 as a code to get 20% off your purchase. And if you really love it and want to sign up for their subscription service to get multiple orders, you will get 20% off every single time you buy that way. So give it a try today. It's known to help many different aches and pains, migraines, IBS, even anxiety. So it can help a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And yeah, just try it out today. Third period, the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. AJ and I here, we've been talking a lot about value. I want to keep talking about value, but I do want to shift gears a little bit. We've talked about the rookie of the year defenseman. Now I want to talk about the potential free agent of the year defenseman coming up in just a bit, less than a month, I suppose, even. Uh, Alex Petrangelo, someone we've talked about before, mm. but over the weekend, news just came out. fourth in Norris. Yeah, the top five Norris player here was captain of the St. Louis Blues. He is not staying. With the St. Louis Blues. Over the weekend, news came out that their talks have essentially completely broken down and the Blues told him to seek free agency. So it sure seems like he's going to be hitting the market. I will will say um, with two weeks to go, you could take a week off from each other. Feelings can be a little bit raw. You know, Petrangelo is, is sleeping at his mom's house right now. 
Um, they're going to come back. They're going to talk about it and they're going to go and have coffee somewhere in a public place, <laughs> you know, where neither one of them can raise their voices and they're going to try and work out their problems. I 100, 100% expect them to come back around and, and have another conversation at some point. Sure. And we'll see how that goes. But for right now, for the rest of, for the rest of this show, let's assume he hits the market. Fine with me. You're Joe Sackick. What you do? Well, I, I turn the tables. I'm asking you this time. It, so, on a baseline, if you're not at least calling that dude, you're negligent as a GM. Uh, it does, I don't care what your cap situation is. I don't care where your team is at. When a player like that hits the market, if you're not contacting them, you shouldn't have your job. Period. Now, that conversation could very quickly go, hey, I have no interest in going to your team and I cost way too much, and that's the end of it. But when you're the Avs, you absolutely have the room. Money should pretty much not be an object here unless you know he's asking for something just absolutely catastrophic. The big question here is term. Because unlike a Taylor Hall who does not have a championship in his life yet, who wants to win, he's come out as saying, Alex Petrangelo won last season. He has the cup under his belt. What are his goals left in the NHL? Look, obviously every player wants to win, but some players also want to get a big, fat, long-term contract to ride their career out on. And if he wants a long-term deal, that's pretty spooky for the Avs. He's 30. Yep. Um, the Evs already have a 31-year-old on defense. Yep. And this was something that I thought was interesting over the weekend as this situation sort of played out on social media. Um, both you and I kind of kept quiet about it, uh, all of this. Yep. Um, a lot of people asked me for my opinions on it. I, the P.S., if you were one of them and I did not respond to you, it was not personal. I just wanted to save the conversation for the pot. <laughs> so let's 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 be real here. Alex Petrangelo better than Eric Johnson. Yes. I'd say pretty definitively. Certainly when you look at the two offensively, it's not even close. Yep. He is a much better point producer an offensive player and, and play driver than Eric Johnson is yeah, um, coming off not... of coming off the season that he just had, like Eric Johnson had 16 points. He's had, he's had 25 points the last couple of years. He, this is, this is sort of who he is. EJ's best career offensive season is less than what you get out of Petrangelo every single year, basically. Definitely. So let's let's before we get too too far into yeah. this conversation. Yep. Let it let it be known up front that we believe Petrangelo to be better than Eric Johnson. With that being said, <laughs> however, the conversation that we watched evolve on social media over the weekend that I that I kind of wanted to talk touch upon here because it ended up being what people were asking me about over and over and over over the weekend was, do you get rid of EJ and give Petrangelo a, a long-term deal? 
And I thought those were two really different questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because do you get rid of EJ? First of all, he's got three years remaining uh, on his current contract at 6 million per. Yep. He's not a $6 million player. You could probably argue he maybe never really has been. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Like we could, we could probably make that argument. Um, you would definitely, given given that guys like Ian Cole regularly make four, four and a half million, I would say EJ's not too far off. Yeah, I I would agree. I, his the interesting thing about EJ is his role on the team has been changing over the past couple of years. Definitely, and they're starting to ask him more and more to take shifts in the defensive zone to, to be more of a shutdown defender than an all around one for them at five on five. And you're going to get into the same conversation that we, we talked about earlier. What is good defense? What are you asking of your defensemen to do? Because we've talked about EJ being a a player that relies heavily on his instincts and on his high end skill than his decision making. Yeah. So I'm if you're more asking, of a, a talent over yeah. sense kind of guy, you're asking a guy to outskill a guy in a board battle and and win the puck. Sure, EJ can absolutely do that. You're asking him to run a complex breakout and make the correct passing decision you might run into some trouble. Eric Johnson, there are flaws in the game. And at the same time, when he went down, it was a massive blow to the Avs defense. It was a huge hole on their defense. So we're approaching this from a, let's, let's dispel the notion that Eric Johnson sucks and that he has no value to the Avs whatsoever. Because if you're in that opinion, you're wrong. (laughs) And I guess I have, you're just wrong. I guess I don't have a follow-up. He's valuable to the apps. Is $6 million too much money? 100%. Like, come on. But he's already 31 and there's only three years left. And I think that's an interesting number because when we've been talking about free agency and we've been talking about Taylor Hall, and we kind of dismissed Petrangelo last week in our free agency episodes because we were like, look, teams don't usually screw up relationships with their best players. But and then they do. <laughs> they certainly don't usually do it in such an ultra public fashion yep. where you're like, uh, let's I, I don't know if they can walk this back. Yep. So that was a bit of a surprise. But when we're talking about the Petrangelo thing, it has to be the same as the Taylor Hall conversation. That magic three-year number. You're talking three years. That's that's your that's where things change for your franchise financially because Nathan McKinnon's going to more than double his salary. Yep. Certainly double it. He will certainly double it. I think it's fair to say he'll probably more than double it. But for right now, let's just say he doubles it. So that three-year window is extremely valuable. They have them, they have the money, they can I've always said three year, a three-year contract is a long-term deal in the NHL because of how quick rosters change. And if you had, don't believe me, just look at the last three years in Colorado. And I would also say, you know, that with Petrangelo, he's already 30 years old. Yep. Are you really going to give him a five or six-year deal 
and take, take the chance that five, he's thirty six. Yeah. That he's a nine million dollar player off the cliff. Yeah, at 33, 34, 35. Look, you look at you look at a guy like Brent Burns. Yep, who's just and, yeah, and it's like, hey, he's still scoring a bunch of points and he's still driving a bunch of offense, but he didn't do he didn't do anything for you defensively. He's not he's not getting he's not doing anything for you defensively. And the conversation around Petrangelo has been well, he's so much better than EJ. And I and this is where you and I kind of were like offensively you're right. He yep. drives way more offense than EJ. And if you were talking about what do the Avs need the most on their defense right now? Is it offense? It surely is not. Kim is it a guy? Is it a guy that's going to come in and play your top power play unit? Because you already have that. Yep. You don't really need that guy. And then when you start to look at Petrangelo's defensive numbers, boop. You have both EJ's and Petrangelo's isolated impacts here at five on five. Okay. And the reason that why I went and grabbed their entire careers is because I want you to see this isn't this isn't a one off for Petrangelo. If there's anything that's 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 a little abnormal, it's it's that his offense was he drove a lot of offense this year. Yep. Well, I mean, look, just look at the consistent trends here. Big offense in 11-12, big offense 12-13, 15-16. Petrangelo consistently has driven offense across his career. A lot of it. Outside of the first two years here where he was, let's be honest, pretty sheltered, once he established himself as a defenseman in the league, he has one year of real significant defensive impact. And that's that plus 0.91% is atrocious, but that negative 1.1%, that's good. Yep, look at that's <laughs> all right in front of the net. Right. That's as good as it gets for Petrangelo is is that because that you know that negative six point seven in the third year of his career, so that's a decade ago. Yep. In the last five years, negative point one one point one percent is as good as it got. And that's a solid year. And where you look at EJ, you're looking at EJ and defensively he's kind of been all over the map, but you would say again, like has consistently just not been what the Avs were hoping out of a number one defenseman. Interestingly, had a really bad year the same year Petrangelo did. What was it about 14, 15? But, <laughs> but that was the that was that was well. But you're you're right though. Like look, 16, 17, Petrangelo marginally better. 17, 18, Petrangelo marginally better. 18, yeah. 19, Petrangelo marginally worse. Right. EJ struggled quite a bit this year. Yeah, and this year this year he's but... definitely a little bit better. But when you're talking about getting an elite defender, that's just not the case with Alex Petrangelo. Yep. Exactly. This dude isn't putting up big suppression numbers. Right. This is not you're not going to confuse him with some of the like Mark Edward Vlasic before he fell off the cliff. You know, the uh Nicholas Jalmerson who today told Craig Morgan he was not waiving his no trade clause. Yep. So so whatever that there is, there that went. Yep. Also, this comment on here about EJ not leaving because of his no trade clause. He has not, he has to give he has to give the Avs a list of nineteen teams that he can trade him. It's a modified. It's not a full. Yeah. So there are nineteen of thirty of thirty NHL teams can buy for his services. There's a decent chance he could find they could find a taker if they want it. 
I don't even know how much of a how much of a desire they have to move on from e- from EJ. I have to think it's not that much. All of this gets around to simply saying all of this gets around to simply saying Alex Petrangelo is better, but I don't think Alex Petrangelo is better in the ways that most people believe him to be and that the ways in which he is better are not necessarily the upgrades Colorado was really looking for. And this is a specific case, right? I I think one thing you will notice, especially in the past five years, is you've gotten pretty darn good consistency out of Petrangelo defensively. And this is where the conversation comes in of not with EJ, but if you're moving someone like a Nikita Zadorov and you're looking for a guy who you know what you're going to get out of every single night and can move the puck for you. Yes, Petrangelo is absolutely not going to bring the same physical edge as someone like that. But if you're looking for a replacement in the lineup, EJ is the Avs' most consistent defender. He just is. You could maybe make a case for Sam Girard there, but everyone else doesn't even come close. Way too many ups and downs. And like, we expect year two, year two of Makar, he'll get a lot better. Yeah. And he'll start to ascend into that status a little bit more and take on the two way. So um, I, they don't need to move EJ uh, for the, for the expansion draft next summer. They can get ahead of it this year if they'd like to. They also could just ask him, Hey, can you waive the no movement clause? Um, Seattle has no reason to take Eric Johnson from Colorado's roster. There will be better options, more cost-efficient options, and he will be 32 years old at $6 million per year with two years left. They just don't have a, a good reason to take Eric Johnson. Even if the Avs do nothing this offseason, there is guaranteed to be a quality middle six forward available from the Avs. Right. So they're going to have a shot at one of... Comfort, Donskoy, Nachushkin. Yep. One of those, maybe even two of those guys, they'll have a shot at some of those cats. So when you're talking, when you're talking about the expansion draft, like Eric, Eric, you get him to wave. And if he doesn't wave, who are you really afraid of losing? Because Gerard, Gerard and Makar are going to be protected. Timmons isn't eligible. Byram isn't eligible. So you're talking about, okay, maybe Zadorov, maybe Graves. A bottom pairing dude. And you lose that guy and you're like, you know what? Dang, like that sucks. But you move on. That's a survivable loss. You have to lose someone. And bottom pairing defenseman doesn't hurt you that bad. You know, maybe maybe Francois is the guy. Sure, could be. If they run back Grubauer Francois and Francois has a very good year as the backup again, Francois could be the guy. All of this is to say that even if they have to protect Eric Johnson... They'll be fine. It's yep. not a disaster. It's not a colossal loss. And what we learned, what did we learn from the Vegas expansion draft? Teams got themselves into a massive amount of trouble trying to get too cute and keep their own guys. Just give up the guy you're gonna lose. Who would who would Anaheim rather have today? Shea Theodore? Or Josh uh. Manson? Because they they bent over backwards and turned themselves into a pretzel to keep Josh Manson. They sure did. And look what happened. And, so, uh, right. I, 
you take a, the, the AHL guys that they're gonna, they're gonna take are gonna come from like Ottawa and Detroit franchises franchises like Los Angeles. That you're you're taking actual yeah. You're taking an NHL player from Colorado. There's just too many. There are gonna be too many good ones available. You take an NHLer from Colorado, definitely. You just don't, and you don't give up assets to protect assets in an expansion draft because yeah. they're gonna ask for more value than you're protecting. Like where where Minnesota is sitting right now, where you know if they want to protect their top four D, you know, and obviously we have an off season to go before all that. Minnesota could be a team where they look at all that they gave up to protect that defense last time around. You don't think they could use Alex Tuck right now? Yep. Like would be a top scorer on that team. Basically, basically the one team that gave up significant assets to protect players, then it didn't come back to haunt them in any way was the Islanders. Yeah. Because they, they were like, Hey, take JF Berube who they did and then did not sign. Yep. So, you know, it's you combined it. You combine the lessons from you, you combine the lessons from the Vegas expansion draft and you look at where your own roster is and you're saying, look, losing this guy would suck, but none of these guys are our top flight guys anyway. And if you get Petrangelo, what if you get Petrangelo and EJ doesn't waive his no movement clause? Then you are in a position where you're like, uh, okay, we need to do something now. Yep. It, it's very, very difficult. We've been already having been asked this question many, many times for yeah. the past few years. Even now, even less than a year out it's still extremely hard to predict where teams are going to be sitting at the expansion draft and what's going to be cost effective. For the record, if they got Petrangelo and EJ wouldn't wave, you just buy them out. You do what you got to do. Yeah. Two years at 6 million. Like that sucks, but you can, you can eat that. It's gone before McKinnon. Well, I mean, it would be spread out. There were two years left. It would get spread over four years. years. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like it's it's a small enough amount that you're like whatever, and then you know, <laughs> you didn't just pay Alex Petrangelo to lose him to Seattle, and eh, unless yeah. you win the cup and take that money, I do wonder. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess I guess if you're Seattle, you don't say no to a Petrangelo level player, but ten million would be a lot. I well, I wouldn't pay him ten million. <laughs> well, it's eight million, nine million, yeah. whatever. It, it'd be yeah. a lot. well. I mean. You know, you gotta. You, yeah. You, when when you and I drafted it, we were like, "Oh man, are we even gonna get to the cap floor?" Because we were like, "Young guys, good guys." That I uh, I found this out the other day. Um, they changed it now, but the original way that they planned to do the cap recapture penalty if Shea Weber retires early in the last year of his deal, Nashville would not be able to reach the cap floor with their active players. They would reach the cap floor because they would be paying a cap recapture penalty of $24 million on Shea Weber, but their active roster would not hit the cap floor. Well, so those contracts were made illegal for a reason. Yeah, right. (laughs) For sure. 
Uh, I would say all of this to say if Petrangelo wants to say yes to three years at $9 million, you do it and figure out the rest later. Yeah, for sure. Because you're still trying to win a cup here, peeps. Yep. But you definitely have to move Zadorov then. <laughs> right. Uh, that's a given. Yeah. If you're acquiring a defense. Or Graves or Cole or somebody. Like, it doesn't have to be Zadorov. Someone, a defenseman probably has to go anyway. If you're acquiring yeah. a defenseman, a defenseman absolutely has to go. Yeah. That's just reality of, of building a hockey team. All right, AJ. What did we learn on this podcast? Um, what did we learn? Sure. Jeez. That God, I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm on the test. Uh, at a, yeah, on the at like an oral exam. Uh, what did we learn? We learned that Kilmacar is dope. Uh, Nathan McKinnon's never going to win anything uh, award wise unless it's a Conn Smythe. <laughs> and because you know, just a reminder, he's still third in playoff scoring. Yeah. Um. Entering entering game three of the, or game two of the Stanley Cup yeah. Finals tonight, he's still third. Whatever. Uh. And then what else do we we learned that Alex Petrangelo better than Eric Johnson, but not so much so that you do something irresponsible. Yep. You gotta. You gotta like the hype right now in the offseason. We'll get there. Don't worry. First up, it's it's draft stuff. But a lot of yeah. exciting times coming in a short window for the Avs. Yeah, speaking of draft stuff, we had another one of our production meetings today. You guys are gonna want to again, the locals. Yeah. You guys are gonna want to spend draft night at the bar with us. Yeah. It's gonna be a total blast. I'm super excited for all the stuff we have planned. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Even if you're not local, the show we're going to do is going to be awesome. So be sure to tune in. Yep. You guys are going to be able to play some of our games uh, alongside us. We're going to have uh, you guys are going to be able to 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 play along and maybe win a prize. I don't know how we're doing that. I think if you're at the bar, you can win something. I'm not sure if you're you're online. That might just but... be that might just be you guys playing along for fun. Yeah. We'll see. It should be an absolute fun time. Keep an eye out for it. There's going to be a lot of lead up to it. A lot of draft coverage coming up next. We have a guest coming on tomorrow to talk draft with us and all of that. So it should be an absolutely awesome time. You know, AJ, I guess it wasn't today, but I learned some lessons recently too. Do you know what they're about? Okay. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. I learned some lessons on how to make my junk look nice. What? Yes, indeed. We're back on the track. If you what? want to take some lessons to get your junk looking great in the bedroom for the lady, for the man, for whoever, manscaped.com has you covered. The number one in shaving your balls in the country. They can take care of all of your other stuff as well, whether it be your beard, whether it be all the hair on your body, or if you just want to get smelling nice. They have things like breath mints, deodorant, you name it. They can take care of you. It's good to be back, manscaped.com. Go on over there. Use code DNVR20 to get 20% off and free shipping when you check out. Hope y'all enjoyed the manscaping not going to be back often, but it'll pop its head out every once in a while. So we'll see you soon. Thank you for watching, listening, however you consume the podcast, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.